Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. Friends, let us draw close to God and live, laugh, and love. Living, Living to, to the, the fullest in the life we have been granted. granted. Laughing with at joy at the at blessings, blessings we have been given. given. Loving this day, this place, these people around us. In the name of our living, laughing, loving God, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit, let us, let us worship, worship God. God. Let us join our voices together as we sing hymn number 611, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Prayer of Laughter. May we laugh, O oh God, at the miracles that happen. May we laugh with those who, who see beyond this world and that pressure to ground ourselves firmly in the pressure of life. May we laugh, O oh God, at the miracles that happen. 
May we laugh with those who stand on the side and whose worth is not wrapped up in prosperity gospels. May we laugh, O God, at the miracles that happen. May we laugh with those who speak their mind to those who speak propaganda and believe it themselves. May we laugh, O God, at the miracles that happen. May we, May we laugh with those who have heard the words of heaven and recognize what is everlasting against words that are fashionable. May we laugh, O God, at the miracles that happen. May we laugh with those who have heard the impossible and trust it is true and live within its promise. May we laugh, O God, at the miracles that happen. May, May we, we laugh, laugh with those who have, who have once cried and journey with them until, until they are ready to share their joy. joy. May we laugh, O oh God, at the miracles that happen. Amen. Friends, the first shall be the last, and the last shall be first. In holy wisdom, let us seek the peace and welfare of one another as we share signs of Christ's peace. The peace of Christ be with you. And also, and also with you. As there are no children of a certain age, <laughs> prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Let the wisdom of your word rain down on us like manna and feed us, that we may be strengthened to do the work to which we are called, for the glory and honor of your name. Amen. This first reading is from Psalm 105, verses 1 through 6 and 37 through 45. God's faithfulness to Israel. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he has uttered, O offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Then he brought Israel out with silver and gold, and there was no one among their tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought quails and gave them food in he from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the wealth of the peoples. 
that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit to sing hymn number 333, How Our Hearts Abound With Joy. How would joy abound? seated. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, beginning to read at verse 1, and then from chapter 21. Listen for the word of God. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, he looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. 
Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I be fruitful? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Yes, you did laugh. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son, in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him, which means laughter. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him, now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham and Sarah that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. When is the last time you really let loose, really fully let loose with a long spate of laughter? I'm not talking about little chuckles at something that happened at work or even the laughter you make at a joke on your favorite sitcom. I mean... The full-throated laughter that starts way down deep in your belly and comes roaring out of your mouth unrestrained and untethered until tears stream down your face and your chest hurts. When was it? Was it recent? Or has it been a while? My grandfather used to tell a story about when he was at home recovering from hernia surgery. This was in the days before laparoscopic surgery, so he was in quite a bit of pain. To lighten his mood and give his mind something else to think about, he put on a favorite movie of his, The Blues Brothers. Ten minutes into the movie, he found himself laughing so hard he had to turn it off because it hurt too bad. A few minutes later, after the pain had subsided, he turned the movie back on. 
only to fall back into uncontrolled laughter that in turn caused more pain, so he turned it off. He watched the entire movie like that <laughs> in little 10-minute spurts. Whatever makes you laugh, whether it is slapstick or dad jokes, satire or situational, this most human of reactions is as old as time. I accidentally left the, the camera on my phone on the other day. I was walking around the house taking a video of my feet. It was pretty good footage. <laughs> Our text from Genesis this morning contains perhaps the most famous instance of biblical laughter. But before we turn to Sarah and her giggle, we need to take a few moments to recenter ourselves, to remember how we got here. Rolf Jacobson, professor of Old Testament at Luther Seminary in Minnesota, reminds us of some key scenes that precede this story. In Genesis 12, God makes an initial promise to a man named Abram, whose wife, Sarai, we are told, was barren. She had no child. God makes a threefold promise to Abram. He would have land. He would become a great nation, that is, have many descendants. And he would be blessed to be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For our purposes here, Notice that without the birth of a child, neither of the second two promises really matter. But the years went by. Sarai remained barren. She and Abram had no child. And they grew old. Sometime later, we aren't told how long, but a good many events happened between God spoke to Abram again in order to renew the promise. God took Abram outside on a starry, starry night and declared, look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. So shall your descendants be. But you can't have a sky full of descendants when you don't even have one child. And Sarai remained barren, she and Abram had no child, and they grew older still. Sarai was tired of waiting for this promised child. She suggested that Abram try to have a child with her slave, Hagar. Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And finally, Abram got a child, a son named Ishmael, Abram was 86. But this left Sarai out of the promise. What of her? Wasn't she part of the covenant? God wasn't done with them yet. God appeared again to Abraham to repeat the promise yet once more. 
God changed Abram's name to Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. And God made it clear that Sarai was part of the covenant too. Sarah will be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. And that is when the laughter starts. Abraham's reaction was to fall down on his face in laughter. After all, Abraham, being no spring chicken, understood how these things worked. He understood that there was a certain time frame, a window, in which these things were able to take place. And Sarah was well beyond it. Good one God, always one for a good laugh, until three strangers appear one day by the oaks of Mamre and deliver the news that Sarah is going to conceive and bear a son. Sarah, eavesdropping in on the conversation, herself falls into laughter. After all, Sarah, being no spring chicken, understood how these things worked. She understood that there was a certain time frame, a window in which these things were able to take place, and she was well beyond it. Good ones, strangers in the desert. Clearly, they've been told by God to keep up the joke. But it's not a joke. God is delightfully serious and joy arrives. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? It is a question at the very heart of this story, but perhaps not in the way we might think. I don't think that this line calls us to forget all we know of science and history and to simply claim that anything can happen when God is around. The danger of that idea is palpable when some couples are helped in their desire for a child and some are not. Though each pray fervently to the same God, some people die young while others live long and happy lives, though each pray fervently to the same God. I want to say that the line suggests that God still matters in the ways of humanity, that we are not on our own as we live our lives, that we do not make decisions alone, wholly apart from a loving deity. Yahweh does not give us whatever we ask for, but Yahweh is with us in our struggles to discern what Yahweh wants from us and from our world. Nothing is too astonishing for a God who made it all and loves it all. I hear this in the tale of an aged couple and their amazing bundle of joy, the child called laughter. This is an important reminder that God is not a genie in a bottle, granting wishes here and there, 
But nor is God completely uninterested in the matters of human beings. Just because a miracle does not happen to and for us, like it did for Abraham and Sarah, does not mean that God does not love us just as much. God does. And God desires joy and fulfillment for all of us just as much. Once again, this story shows what a scandal and difficulty faith is. If even Abraham and Sarah, the father and the mother of all, the beginning of the world's three great faiths, if even they cannot believe such wonderful good news, then we are forgiven our own doubts and reservations. Walter Brueggemann reminds us that faith is not a reasonable act which fits into the normal scheme of life and perception. The promise of the gospel is not a conventional piece of wisdom that is easily accommodated to everything else. Embrace of this radical gospel requires shattering and discontinuity. Abraham and Sarah have, by this time, become accustomed to their barrenness. They are resigned to their closed future. They have accepted that hopelessness as normal. The gospel promise does not meet them in receptive hopefulness, but in resistant hopelessness. Beyond the etymological explanations which link Isaac to laughter, and beyond doubtful embarrassment, Sarah laughs because God has made laughter for me. By his powerful word, God has broken the grip of death, hopelessness, and barrenness. The joyous laughter is the end of sorrow and weeping. Laughter is a biblical way of receiving a newness which cannot be explained. The newness is sheer gift, undeserved, unwarranted. Barrenness has now become ludicrous. It can now be laughed at because there is full joy. Even when we are stuck in ruts of barrenness and hopelessness and despair, God unravels all of that pain where we meet God in the gospel. Perhaps our lives feel as if they have fallen apart. Three and a half years ago, some of us didn't need a pandemic and economic collapse to feel that fallen apartness. We already felt pulled asunder. And that pulled apart feeling that we all felt during that time, may not have been fully put back together in the interceding time, though we put on good shows of feeling otherwise. That valley of despair, which we have all stepped foot in from time to time, can easily lead to disbelief, 
Those times of pain and suffering can lead to skepticism, defeatism, and possibly even placing our hope and trust in the false gods of our time. But what if we let that disbelief simply unravel? Unravel into joy. To see the glint of Christ's light in the eyes of our children and grandchildren. To stand and feel the cooling rain on our skin instead of rushing inside to avoid getting wet. To splash in puddles. To walk slowly in order to notice each flower. To simply sit with a loved one without needing to say a word. Sometimes, even after life seems to fall apart, God can surprise us and unravel our plans with unexpected joy if we are willing to receive it. Let us rediscover the joy of laughter. And this morning... In your bulletin, you've got two cards. One is for the offering. Fill it out there, pencils in the back, put it in the offering plate. Help us to know how we as a community are offering back to God. But the other card is for you to take home. The scripture lesson is on one side and instructions On the back of each card is an image of laughter. Carry this with you during the week to come, during stressful or low points, or whenever you want. Take it out and look at it and be encouraged. I encourage you to do this when you're at the grocery store. (laughs) When you see the high price of milk, Take it out and allow yourself to laugh. Laugh long and hard so that it becomes infectious and joy might spread. Amen. Let us pray. Is this what a promise feels like? When the heavens above you and the dust below you reminds you every day of what is yet to come? Yet such is the size of the promise, you'll never see it fulfilled? Promise maker, such faith makes us laugh. It stirs up our souls and opens us to the big vision only starfields can show. Yet makes us feel so small, a mere speck amidst the enormity, and we can only laugh. May we take each day, and in that day take one step, with that step know your love. And with that love, trust your promise. 
And in that promise, speak to us of remarkable things. This is what it feels like to live within a promise, to speak of wonders despite our commonness, and know all is held in the greater, bigger, eternal love called God. May we journey like this. Amen. At this time, I would like to invite Betty to come forward for our minute for mission. that time of year again when the Presbyterian Church has its national um, peace and global witness offering. Also in your bulletin, <laughs> you have your a pamphlet, and there are a picture of um, three people, and their ministries is what the peacemaking program is going to be concentrating on this year. You know how sometimes you hear something that really makes you stop and think? Here is something that Pastor Steve Herring from North Carolina recently shared. He said that the church is called to do more than just believe. He said it's about doing. It's about making a switch to action. It's about pragmatic, practical problem solving that starts with us, here and now. Think about it. Well, let's not just think about it. Let's talk about it. When he says that we need to step up and accept responsibility as active peacemakers, we've been, hear we've been hearing about peacemaking over the years and how through our gifts to the Peace and Global Witness Offering, we joined the Presbyterian Peacemaking Program to make a difference. We join with those like Manina Talia in the South Pacific, who is helping those who live, whose lives have been dramatically uprooted by the consequences of catastrophic climate change. We join with the Reverend Helvano Poget, who rescues young women who have become trapped in human trafficking in Madagascar. We join with Pastor Steve as he starts hard conversation and does the work of battling structural racism in North Carolina. In the heart of the area that is home to the oldest town 
founded by free African-Americans in the United States. Devastation from climate change, human trafficking, structural environmental racism. These are issues we've heard about, issues we know how hurt people around the world, including places not so far from here. But this we also know. God's presence empowers us to bring peace to those around us. Quoting a bit from the Psalms, even though we walk through the uncertainty of life, we fear no evil for we proclaim that God is with us. Through our gifts to the Peace and Global Witness offering, we are as a congregation we participate in this larger work that we would not be able to do on our own. A gift to this offering enables the church to promote the peace of Christ by addressing systems of conflict and injustice around the world, including those arising from climate change, racism, and human trafficking. But because this is a shared offering, we can help those whose challenges are also very present with us. 25% of our offering receipts will stay right here in our congregation to pursue our own peacemaking and reconciliation ministries. And an additional 25% stays with our presbytery for similar work. Peace is active, not passive. Peace is doing, not waiting. It is about making a switch to action. Please give generously to the Peace and Global Witness offering, for when we do a little, it adds up to a lot. There are offering envelopes in the pews. There are they. There is one in your box if you receive a box of envelopes and the peacemaking offering will be dedicated next Sunday. Let us pray. Help us, O oh God, to be more than hearers of peace. Help us to become advocates and agents of your shalom and in the world today. Through Christ, the peace. Amen. In the wilderness of our lives, God's grace is like water flowing from a rock, transforming arid desert into flowing rivers. In thanksgiving for God's mercy, let us give from our abundance as we share the offering of our very lives.
Let us pray. God of promise, we bring to you our offering, remembering that we too are a part of your covenant promise. Use the gifts we bring and use us in the bringing of your sacred laughter, your holy surprises, your wondrous yet to be. May we know that in our service and in our belonging within this community, we can bring your kingdom one step closer. Amen. Please be seated. I want to begin by thanking everyone for your prayers, um, for your cards, for the meals dropped off uh, at our house over the past week and a half as we have dealt with COVID. Um, Elena and I are feeling better, and the kids are still okay. <laughs> um, Elena's still got a really bad cough, uh, so she decided to stay home, take an extra another week to make sure we don't share it with anybody. Um, if you have not made plans to go get your booster, do it. Please. It's not fun. This is... But we are feeling better. Energy is coming back slowly. Um, but thank you. Um, are there other joys or concerns to lift up? Darlene. I was just curious, how did we do with the Maui Mission Match? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I will find out. Um, one of the things about having COVID is the brain fog. And I didn't even think to ask about that. But I'm making a note. Um, and... We will find out and we'll share that next week. Others. It was a quiet week in my hometown, Lake Wobegon. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. Friends, let's turn to God in prayer. God of grace and God of glory. We come before you in prayer today, assured and comforted by the promise that when we do not know how to pray as we ought, your Holy Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Lord, the burdens and challenges of life sometimes leave us speechless. We thank you that even as we pray, Jesus prays for us to be one and strengthened for the ministry to which you call us. Lord, hear our prayers. For the people in our midst, whose names are on our prayer list, who we carry in our hearts, who are sometimes known only to you, Lord, 
hear our prayers. For your church in every place, that we may bear faithful witness to your amazing grace in our lives and in our world, even when it offends our sense of fairness and our understanding of the way life ought to be. Lord, hear our prayers. For the mission, ministry, and work of this congregation, may we always serve with a spirit of generosity as we depend upon your gifts, rather than with a sense of scarcity that comes from looking to ourselves. Lord, hear our prayers. For the peoples of this world whom you have created in your own image, for those who are in dangerous places through no fault of their own, for those who have experienced disasters that have upended their lives, for those who are oppressed and long to live as free people, for those who mourn and long to have hope in their lives, Lord, hear our prayers. Almighty God, help us to live lives worthy of the calling to which you call us, Remind us that we are the body of Christ. When one member suffers, may we all share the suffering and extend the loving care of Christ. When one member is honored, may we all rejoice together rather than be envious of another's blessings. Lord God, help us to live, love, laugh, and serve as faithful followers of Jesus Christ in your kingdom. We offer these and all our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit to sing our final hymn, number 623, I've Got Peace Like a River.
God intends for each and every one of us. So go now to find those moments, those moments of love, those moments of laughter, those moments of living. And do so with the full blessing of a loving, laughing, living God who is always by your side. Go in peace, remembering who you are and whose you are. Amen. Amen.